0: Okay, we'll all right, all right. Please open your Bibles to Acts chapter one. Back in chapter one. Oh, it's going to take years to get through Acts. <laughs> We're doing two <laughs> verses today. <laughs> Believe it or not, we are doing a whole three verses today. Oh really? It says twelve, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Okay, you're right. Yep. A lot of verses. Well, there are some foundational things going on in the first couple of chapters at Acts that probably are to our benefit to take more time discussing because then, as we get into the the longer narratives, you know, we won't take as long. But oh yeah, I haven't posted it yet. I'm behind, but it's recorded. All right, let's read Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. <laughs> you there, Aiden? <laughs> Sandy, you want to help find it? Yeah. All right. All right, we're going to read Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city... They went up to the upper room where they were staying, that is, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would... Um, condescend to us this morning and come down to our level and instruct us in ways that we can understand with where we're at in our lives that you would help us to grow help us to see the next step help us to understand more what it looks like following you in these times in in the seasons of life that we're in what it looks like being a follower and today as we look at prayer please give us a new burning passion for the urgency and necessity of prayer for daily life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The title of today's sermon is An Urgency in Prayer. And so it says in verse 12 that they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, or the Mount of Olives, which is in the Garden of Gethsemane. We've discussed this place before, but this gives us more light into the fact that last week when Jesus was giving His final words to them, about waiting in Jerusalem to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, that that was in the Mount of Olives when that happened. And when he ascended to heaven, that was from the Mount of Olives. This is the same place where he was often with his disciples. The Gospel of John tells us he often went there with his disciples. And that's also why he went there the night of his betrayal, because he knew Judas would know to find him there. So they went at night to the Mount of Olives. Judas came with the soldiers to betray him. So that's where the passion began. That's where he cried out to the Father three times, if this isn't your will, will this cup pass from me? That all happened in the Mount of Olives. It's probably also the place where Jesus was standing when he cried out over Jerusalem about how so often had God sent prophets to these people and they just would not listen and, and how God had wanted to gather them like little chicks under his wings and they wouldn't have it, probably from the same place. Um, I've been to this place and it is very close to Jerusalem. You can stand on this mountain and you can see the city walls. There's just a little valley in between and then you see all of Jerusalem over there. So it's a it's a fitting place for Christ to also end his time on earth in this Mount of Olives with Jerusalem in the distance. You can see it from where he's at and he's saying to his disciples, go back to Jerusalem, wait for the promise and then you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So that last time with jesus we saw last week that was in the mount of olives and then in verse 13 it says um, they entered again into the city and they went up to the upper room where they were staying and then lists the 11 remaining apostles we know that judas is no longer with them judas betrayed jesus it says further down we'll look at this next week that judas actually killed himself probably out of guilt after recognizing what he had done by betraying the Messiah. So there are 11 left, and they're all staying together. Um, they had just spent 40 days together. We saw that in um, in verse 3, when Jesus had presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days. And so here these 11 apostles were staying together in one upper room, in one packed place, an upper room, and yet there were 11, them, if not more, if you include women and all of them that were with them at the time. And Jesus had spent that time with them for 40 days instructing them. It says, again in verse 3, that 40 days speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So these were 40 days of intense training. Yeah, they had been together for three and a half years, but that was a different time um, you might remember that the disciples often had no idea what was going on. They often had no idea what Jesus was trying to teach. And they were often bickering with themselves about who's the greatest and who's going to have to be the one to ask Jesus this hard question and, and all of that. And then to, to, to do the work, like distributing the bread and to be sent out by him to do these miracles and preach these men. But they didn't always understand what was going on. Not until the end of the of his ministry did it say that they begin to actually see what all these things meant. in fact, in Luke's first book, in the last chapter in Luke 24, that's when it says that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So the first three and a half years, they didn't really understand fully. Like he would tell them things like, I'm going to suffer and die, and they wouldn't get it. He'd say, I'm going to rise from the dead, and they didn't get it. They just didn't understand these things. But now they do. These last 40 days, they've really begun to understand. Luke 24 and verse 44, it says... Jesus said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all the things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And so those are the things he was instructing them in for these 40 days. It was intense training. It was intellectual. It was analytical. It was looking at all of the Old Testament and sh- proving to them how it all pointed to Him so that when they began their, their ministry, they had this intense training. It wasn't just a feeling they had, a quick burst of passion and they were off. They had intense training. And I don't know if you've ever been on a, like a youth retreat or a, uh, a church retreat where you go away and you spend a few days with the same people and you get a lot of worship time, a lot of teaching time, and you grow very close to those people. And it becomes so special that when you come back into your regular life, you're like, I wish I could go back there. That was such a special time. And how you grew close to those people in that time. This must be how it was for them. These, these last 40 days were different than the first three and a half years. Their mind was open, they understood these things, and now their risen Messiah was sitting with them, opening all of scripture to them. So it was a very special time. And they had been asked to wait. We saw that last week, we, we focused on that. He says in chapter one, verse four and five, gathering them together, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the, the Father has promised, which you've heard of me, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And again in verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. And then we're going to see in Acts chapter 2 that as they're waiting, this baptism happens. Power, they're clothed with power. It comes upon them. They speak in other tongues. Everyone hears it and and hears it in their own language and has no idea what's going on. Peter stands up in boldness, this bold, powerful witness. 3,000 souls are added to the church that day. So that's coming. And now they're returning to Jerusalem to wait. And what does that waiting look like? We began to discuss this last week, we're going to look at it more closely this week. We saw last week that waiting is not wasting away. Waiting is not being lazy, there's an intentional, focused, productive kind of waiting when it comes to waiting on God, and that's what we see here. We see that in verse 14, these all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is the pattern they learned from Jesus. Jesus was often praying, either out loud in front of them for them to hear, or by himself, he would get away to pray. He would do some spectacular miracle. Then he would get away from everybody to go pray to his father. They saw this pattern from him. And this is also the pattern we should have in our lives today. We should be constantly in prayer, constantly in communion with God. And so that's what they do. They are together devoting themselves to prayer. They're with one mind continually devoting themselves to prayer. We should never forget the importance of prayer, no matter what else we think we're called to do. No matter how young or how old, no matter what we think God is leading us to do or leading us to become, we should not forget the importance of prayer. No matter what we think we're called to do, if it didn't begin in prayer, if it's not continued through prayer, we'll end up doing it in our own strength. And if we do it in our own strength, whatever turns out will not be something that God did. It will be something that we did. Not only will it be less than God's plan, but we'll sit around proud of these things we've built with our own two hands. It'll give us pride and it'll give us a temporary reward of others looking at us saying, Wow, what a great out-of-the-box thinker that guy was. But no eternal reward how interesting it is that we often think all we need is training and we're good to go. When our training is done, we can just hit the ground running. We think that our training qualifies us and gives us all we need when the thing we need most is the Holy Spirit and we get that through long, continual prayer with God. Um, Yesterday, I got to go to a wonderful ceremony. A great friend of mine was getting his doctor in ministry. It's a very long, difficult um, thing to accomplish it 's very it 's very respectable it 's a wonderful thing and uh before he got to go up there were these uh these masters of divinity guys that got to go up and get their award too and there probably it seems like like fifty or so of them went up there i mean so many of these guys and you know it seems like what I, what i 'm seeing now is a pattern in ministry where a lot of young guys think I'm called to the ministry, so I'm going to go get my degree, and as soon as it's done, suddenly I've got student loans to pay off, so I've got to find a paying job right now. It's got to be a staff position, and I've got to find it right now to start paying on these student loans. And it kind of puts us in a, in a, a difficult situation where we may have started out feeling a calling, but now we're bound to find something that will pay us enough to support us. Um, my friend that got his doctorate yesterday what I love about him is uh, he, he gets it, though. For him, his training has been wonderful. He's learned a lot through it, but he doesn't have the opinion that, oh, now he's ready to serve God. He's been serving God. He's already preaching for a church. He's already a, a, a pastor of his church, and he's been doing that. And for him, this is just like an add-on to help with the training, because training is important. These disciples needed these 40 days with Jesus, but you can't just take away the prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, and my friend Josh would say there's no way he could have even finished this doctorate without the power of the Holy Spirit. But even if he had, it would be nothing if the Holy Spirit wasn't working in his life to help him daily accomplish his calling. So it's not that we just need a certain amount of training and then we're just good to go to figure it out on our own. No, we need training, but that's not all we need. We need lots of prayer we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. There's this book called um, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Have you heard of this book? If you haven't read it, you got to read it. So this, this, it's about a man that um, he took over this church and it was failing and they couldn't even make the mortgage payment or the the rent or whatever it was. And uh, it was just a difficult situation. And one time he was preaching and one of the pews just broke while he was preaching. They couldn't afford to fix it. It was just you know a rough situation. So this guy, feeling called to this, though, and seeing not the results he won, and started praying intently. And he started praying things like, God, if if your gospel is so powerful, why is it not doing anything in this situation? Um, But he began to pray. He began to tell his church to start praying. And um, later on he said in this book, If I say I ought to pray, I will soon run out of motivation and quit. The flesh is too strong. I have to be driven to pray. And in our lives... There should be an intensity about us when we follow Christ. God gives us a calling, but not only that, he'll make us desperate for it. He'll give us a desire to see something happen until we're we're burning inside to see it and we're desperate and we, that drives us to prayer. We see this in Jeremiah in chapter 20. Jeremiah 20 verse 9, he's talking about how people are laughing at him as he preaches and no one's really listening to him. And then he says, but if I try to stop or if I try to not think of God, it begins to burn in my heart like fire. And this burning, this desperation to see God's calling come to pass, this can only come from God. You'll know a desire you have is from God You'll know it's from God when it's not about you, when it's not about what you want for your own life, when it's not about what others think of you, when it's not about how you view yourself, and it's not about something you're trying to prove to somebody. You'll know it's from God when it's your deepest desire to see Him glorified in it, so that you're not trying to go in your own strength and manipulate situations to make things happen in your favor. But when you've left it up to God and you're putting it in His hands and you're waiting on His timing for it and you're burning inside and you, you're, you're in a period of desperate prayer for God to, to work through you, that's when you'll know it's from Him. He'll drive us to desperate prayer when He's called us to something because He wants to be the one to get the credit When we learn to walk in the Spirit, when the Spirit's given us power and we're being used by God in whatever we feel called to do, then when there's any kind of fruit, all you can say is, I have no idea how this happened. It had to have been God. But if it's me and I have some system and I just change some program and I get some sort of, all I got to do is read a book and follow these 10 steps and this, now I'm on my way kind of thing, then someone's going to say to me one day, how did you get to where you're at? And I'm going to say, well, I did this and then I did that and then me this and then me that and this is me and mine and me and mine. That'll be my story. When what God wants us to say is, it was all God. I didn't even want to do this. God gave me this desire. I had no idea what it meant. I just trusted in Him. And 10 years later, looking back, God did this thing. That's what He wants. There's a man named William Leslie in 1912 He became a missionary to a tribal people in a remote corner of the Congo. He was there 17 years and left defeated, burned out like a failure. As far as he could tell, 17 years later, he had had no effect on these people. He left without any signs on his own that what he had done there was going to last. He just felt like he had failed. He died thinking he had failed. Eighty-four years later, in 2010, a group went to this same place and discovered churches throughout the area. Not only that, but like a cathedral built out of stone, and it turns out they could point back to a man whose name they had forgotten, but they knew where he had come from, and it was that guy start of this work he worked his entire time 17 years tirelessly never got to see the results and yet 84 years later there's the fruit we have no idea how god wants to use us but once we get a call we have to be desperate in prayer for god to be glorified even if it means that the way he's going to use us is in a way we'll, we'll never understand. We'll never necessarily see the fruit of it. All these amazing church fathers we know of today, these, these amazing men of, these, these preachers, these, these women that have done amazing things for God, there's always someone behind that story that brought them to the Lord and discipled them up when we most often never hear their name. And you'll know when you've got a call from God when you're so desperate to see it come to pass that you don't even care if anyone ever knows you did it. You just want God to use you. I can imagine this guy, William Leslie, imagine all the the sleepless nights he spent praying. 17 years in the Congo. God, why is nobody getting saved? If your gospel is so powerful, why has nothing happened? Why aren't they listening to me? And to leave feeling, you know, like you hadn't done much. I got a small glimpse of that in Germany. I spent three and a half years, and I had a youth group of three kids. And I, I, they liked me. We were friendly. I wasn't really sure how much they'd actually grown in Christ. You know, I kind of came back to America wondering, God, what was that all about? That was, that was a pretty hard time. Was there any fruit from that? And then uh, it was pretty neat around December of 2014, around that time, I guess a bit before then, I got invited to the wedding of one of these kids. He had returned to the States. He was in Germany, but his parents were American. And I got to go to his wedding and I got to meet the youth pastor of the church he came back to in America. I got to meet the college pastor that had fed into his life through college. I got to meet the pastor of his church now. And it was almost like you could line us up and you could see. Here's this boy Jacob, now a grown man, now now marrying a Christian woman, and they together felt called to get trained to help um, rescue women from sex trafficking in America. A tremendous need in America we have for that. And you could line up me with other guys, and here I am, some random, obscure guy that happened to be in Germany for a few years. Then this next youth group guy who happened to be a pastor while this guy came through. Then the college guy who happened to be a college pastor when he came. And it's like all of the work that God did in all of our lives wasn't about us. And the, the money it cost the church to send me for three and a half years, and the amount of, of anguish that I had to go through during that time, which wasn't much, but it was for me it was significant, all of that times three more guys, it was worth it for God to invest into one boy. Because he might go now and rescue women from sex trafficking, and that's going to be part of my fruit, and I'm claiming it from God. <laughs> But I spent nights in prayer in Germany going, God, what are you doing here? I can't get any more kids to come to this youth group. <laughs> and but there's fruit in that. And so these disciples, you know, they get these 40 days of training, and I can imagine in their mind they're thinking, I'm ready to go and now. Now I get it, my mind's been opened. I understand all the scriptures. I've got all the answers. I'm ready to go, and Jesus says, "Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit." And they go and they spend Hours and hours and hours in praying. You can, you can do the math on this and you can figure out that it was about 10 days between when he ascended and Pentecost because of the, when he died and when he rose and, and based on the, the Jewish calendar, you can look at that. So this is about 10 days they were doing this. When it says in verse 14 that they were all with one mind continually devoting themselves to prayer. We don't need a lot of things in order to be used by God. We need a few simple things, and we must be reminded of them often. I was telling Lindsay this week, you know what's so frustrating to me is how simple it is to walk with God and how hard it is to remember those simple things. Here I am teaching on prayer this week, and I barely prayed this week. It's frustrating that I have to be reminded of that. But we need a few simple things We need teaching. We need foundation, just like Christ gave them. We need to understand the message we've been commissioned with. We are all messengers sent by Christ. We have to understand it. We need teaching, foundation. That's why it says in Luke 24, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scripture. He didn't just do it for their benefit. He then then says, go and be witnesses. So we need that. We also need prayer. That's what Christ taught us in His own example. That's what they're doing here. We desperately need prayer for wisdom, for vision, for passion and purpose and direction. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what we're gonna see in two more weeks when we look at Pentecost. Without the power, we're gonna do it in our own strength. And what you've got when you do that is all you can do with your own strength. It's all you got. It's just whatever you can build with your own two hands, Whatever you can maintain with your own hands, with your own personality type, whatever it is, you can do that. But, like it says in Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen keep awake in vain. We can build a house on our own. We can think we have a calling, and we can just go do it in our own strength, but it's in vain. It won't be as good or as right as if God did it, and it won't give God the glory that He wants out of it, if we do it in our own strength. So we learn, we're, we're taught, and we learn, and we pray, and we wait, and the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon us in His time and in His own way to fulfill His purposes when He wants, how He wants. And if we never even get credit for it, if no one ever even knows it began with us in our ministry... That'll be enough for us to know God used us, to know that we were in His will, in His timing, and that He was pleased with us. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for this time. Thank you for your will. And I ask that you would be sovereign in our lives, that you would be gracious to use us and help us to find peace and comfort knowing that we're in your will, doing what you've asked us to do. Help us to not pay attention to results. Help us to not get impatient and try to do things in our own strength help us to trust that you have a plan that you're sovereign that you're loving and that you want people to glorify you you want your name to be known you want the gospel message to be known in the world please use us to that end in all of our different ways with our different giftings and our different callings in jesus name amen